Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Indeed, Jesus is the way maker, the promise keeper, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness and we can continue to trust him. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Well, I'm getting ready to share with you the Word of God and it's going to be a little different because we're going to reflect on some thoughts from our founder, Gary, but also from our friends, One Hope. And what we're going to talk about is the gospel in context as we continue our series, Each One, Rich One. Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, which was a powerful city, politically influenced, a very powerful economic center, but with also strong social culture. And he was letting the church know that nothing comes close to the power of the gospel in transforming lives and society. And so in Romans 1.16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. You know what, friends? As a church, we are so passionate about this. We believe that only the gospel can truly bring lasting transformation from the inside out to individuals and society. So here are a few reflections from what Pastor Gary shared at the beginning of the year about the impact of the gospel and our vision as Watoto Church. He also talks to us about going into the world. He he started the church. And I want to talk a little bit about this in just a moment because I really passionately believe that the church is at the core of society and that in every nation he plants his church, his people, to be the light to that nation. So that's why Jesus said to his disciples when he was commissioning them to go into all the world, he came to them and he said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 19, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And notice what we're to do in the nations. We're to teach them to obey everything I have commanded them. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now I'm done with my notes because I have launched out on what I want to say to you today on behalf of those of us who have made Watoto Church our church. God called me to plant a church in the city of Kampala, the capital city of the nation of Uganda, so that there would be a people that are his people in the nation that he calls Uganda and that he established so that we could bring about truth and righteousness and justice and equity. We could bring about the culture of God to be the DNA or the operating system of Uganda or any nation. He called me to go to Uganda to plant a church. 
He will call someone else to go to Kenya, someone else to go to Burundi, someone else to go to China, but he specifically called me. And then God began to give me very clearly for this church instructions about what kind of church we needed to be. He spoke to me very clearly and he said, I want you to be a small group church, cells. And I knew that God wanted us to be a big church, to grow lots of people in church. We began to have multiple campuses. We went from downtown to the north and then to the south and the east and the west, and we were growing and so on. But God said, I want you to get into small groups. And so we started cells. I didn't understand everything about it. I now know that God was calling us to be in cells for a number of reasons so that we could be a huge church, but we could have pastoral care for every person in a cell. But also, we would be able to begin to reach into the community right where we live, not just as a program of the church, but every single one of us as believers, right where we live, caring for the hurting and the poor that are around us. And so we began to do seed projects. And we began to prayer walk our community and begin to have a burden for our community. And God was helping us to understand that he was bringing healing to the city and healing to the nations, not through a big program or through one preacher or just a building downtown, but through God's people that were saturating community with truth and light. God began to show me very clearly that we're going to change our city and we're going to change our nation, not just by preaching better sermons or having better church services, but by being a better people. By allowing the culture and the character of Christ to become our character and our culture. And we're to carry it into community. And there we're to bring hope and healing and life to our community. That becomes the operating system by which the nation ought to live. We make it very close to people through small groups. I remember watching uh, the movie uh, The Godfather. Great movie, uh, three parts. And in the last part, Michael Corleone, who's the godfather of the mafia, he's going through all kinds of difficulties and he ends up in Rome and he's with a cardinal. And obviously, Michael Corleone is living a wicked life and he's very corrupt and he's killing people and doing whatever he can in order to get ahead. But he's struggling with all of this because he has a soul. And the cardinal is in a garden and there's a fountain and it's full of stones. And the cardinal picks up a stone and he cracks the stone against the side of the fountain and the stone breaks open. And he says, do you see this stone? It's been sitting in these waters for hundreds of years, but look at the middle. It's completely dry. It's been sitting in the water for hundreds of years, but the water has not penetrated into the heart of the stone. And he says to Michael Corleone, there's lots of people in the world who are like that. They are saturated and they're living around in a community or they're going to church, for instance, where Christ is there. But Christ has never penetrated into the heart of that person. And I began to understand very clearly as I was pastoring this great church that we, we have a nation that has 60, 70 percent Christian people and a lot of them are going to church. And yet we have a corrupt nation. We have a nation full of immorality. We have one of the highest rates of teenage pregnancy in the world. We have death of children, the highest number of death for infant mortality. We had HIV AIDS, which is a sexually transmitted disease. 
We have poverty. We've got so many problems. Why? Because we're living in a culture or we're, we're living in an environment that is Christian, but we have not allowed Christ to penetrate our hearts. And consequently, we have a nation that is chaotic everywhere. We have fatherlessness. We have orphans. We have broken homes. We have a political structure that's built on corruption and deceit and lies and manipulation and control. We have streets that are completely in disorder with people driving down the street the wrong way or on a sidewalk. We have a, an economic system where people do whatever they want and sell their goods wherever they want, including on our streets without licenses, without paying taxes. We have chaos all around us. Why? Because we are living in a so-called Christian environment, but we've never allowed Christ to penetrate our hearts. And God was saying to me, Gary, I want you to get this culture into the hearts of people and put them into the community, plant them in the community and begin to do good in the community. So the vision that I have for Watoto Church is not just to build a, bil a building and fill it up with people and have good services. It's about transforming a nation by allowing the culture of Christ to penetrate our hearts and cause us to live good, righteous, holy lives, to be like Jesus. What a powerful sharing from Gary, reminding us about our vision and passion as Watoto. As we continue to talk about the gospel in context, uh, this year, uh, through our Miracle Missions offering, we partnered with our friends One Hope to really establish the context of where we are as Uganda, especially the attitudes and thoughts and beliefs of the majority of Uganda, which is young people, teenagers and children. And we went on to do a research all over this country in schools and in community. And here are some findings that we, we got, the context in which we are living and where young people are at. You know, we ask questions like, uh, where do you go to find uh, truth about the meaning of life or about what's right or wrong? Uh, about gender and sexuality, and the, the results are quite insightful. You know, young people said that they go number one to their family members. So family is important. But secondly, they also said they will go to religious leaders or texts to find out especially about the meaning of life and also about right or wrong. But when it came to gender and sexuality, it changed a little bit. The influence of family went down and the influence of teachers and counselors went high and also the influence of peers and friends. And so that's why we must pay attention to reaching out to schools. You can see that on your screen, on the slides on your screen. But also 69% uh, uh, of the teens say that parents are the top influencers when it comes to their ambitions in life. So family is important as we reach people with the love of Jesus. We asked them about their personal struggles. Now this one was quite revealing. One in four teenagers, when we did the research, had been viewing pornography within the three months when the research was done. And the other one was 
27% of them said they were sexually active. That's the context in which we are. I mean, we asked them about alcohol and drug abuse. This is growing in all regions here in Uganda. That's the context in which we are at. 40% of the teenagers say they struggle with bullying, and this affects their emotional and their psychosocial state. You know, when we asked them about their mental health struggles, this was also very shocking. 50% are struggling with depression. 49% of them say they struggle with loneliness. 43% struggle with high anxiety. 20% of our teenagers have suicidal thoughts. And 11% said they had attempted suicide. This is the context in which we live. And the only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're gonna get a full report that we will share with our friends. Now, you may be asking, what is this research all about? Why is it important? Well, we're gonna listen from our friends from One Hope who are gonna share with us about why research is such an important thing when it comes to preaching the gospel. Hi everyone, greetings from South Florida. My name is Jen Brown and I serve as the Director of Global Partnerships and Networks for One Hope. It is my pleasure to share about the role of research and its profound impact on strategy. One of our values at One Hope is that we are spirit-led. We listen to the Holy Spirit's leading for the direction of our ministry. And one of the things that helps us respond to the Holy Spirit's leading is research. Research helps us understand current realities as we see what is coming in the future. You know, Jesus always fashioned his message for his audience. He intuitively knew their heartfelt needs. But since we're not God and we do not know that intuitively, we do research. If we allow it, research can truly be prophetic. You know, research is a voice to us, highlighting trends for us to prayerfully respond to. Each generation is shaped by unique circumstances and influences that help form their generational hallmarks. Research helps us examine the world these young people are growing up in and the effects they say it's having on them. Our strategies start in research because we must always update what we believe to be true about the world and this next generation. When we discover surprising things, it helps us realign our thinking and our approach. I'm reminded of a quote by Peter Drucker, the father of modern management. He said, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence itself. It is to act with yesterday's logic. The gospel message and the mission of our ministry has not changed, but the world and the people around us are changing constantly. That is why we must open our eyes to see clearly and respond well. Now, more than ever, we must act with new logic. And our research identifies new opportunities for new logic, new thinking, and new wisdom. The global youth culture research is helping open our eyes to the realities of the next generation and respond with new logic. We could not be more excited to welcome Uganda as the latest country in this global research initiative. You are joining more than 20 other nations who have committed themselves to taking a fresh look at today's teens. You will be diving deeply into their beliefs, their behaviors, struggles, and even influences. The GYC research has helped us not only adjust our own understanding of young people, but share our learnings with others. 
The research has set the stage for many gatherings, just like this one, of ministry leaders and practitioners. We have convened roundtable events to discuss how we should respond to this data. These are happening in the United States and in Latin America and soon across all of Asia. Conversations are happening online, thanks to Zoom, and the data is opening doors to new partnerships and strengthening existing ones. The research has also built bridges between ministries and content experts. You know, we had a lot of questions as we looked at the findings about this generation's mental health and their personal struggles. We weren't always sure what to do, so we invited experts to speak into the conversation and share what they know. Social media has been an amazing platform to host webinars, Facebook Live interviews, and to share data with new audiences. One audience the data pointed us towards so strongly was parents. We clearly saw how much of an influence parents have on their children. There are many voices teens could be listening to, but they still told us their number one guide is family. This is a critical relationship that we cannot afford to overlook. So we've been taking this data to parents and sharing it with them, both as an encouragement and then as a call to step into their role as their children's disciple maker. We know that home is a key place to build faith. And we've been sharing the data with teens themselves. Our team in Eastern Africa is using the GYC research in schools and inviting teens to co-create programs with us this is such an incredible result of the research, and we love that Africa is leading the way in partnering with this next generation. Finally, in the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah, we read that Nehemiah asks his brother, Hanani, what the state of Jerusalem is during the exile. Another way to ask this question is, what is the current reality of Jerusalem? Hanani answered out of his personal experience, stating that the people are in great trouble. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. You know, before there ever was a strategy to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, there was a discovery conversation about the reality of Jerusalem. We know by reading the book of Nehemiah that Nehemiah allowed his conversation with Hanani to be prophetic by seeking to understand current realities and allowing that to shape his response. We need conversations like Nehemiah had with Hanani to inform new logic and new strategies. Lord, I ask that you would grant each of us with fresh wisdom for each day, for each task, for each opportunity, and for each strategy to reach this next generation. Research is truly prophetic. That's why we need to know the context in which we are so we can be relevant with the gospel. Let me give you one more finding. 29% of teens say they felt they would be most themselves if they were a different gender. That is here in Uganda. That's where we are committed to preaching the gospel. Now, the president of One Hope, Rob Hoskins, is going to share with us some of his thoughts about where Africa is and Uganda in terms of the gospel. Greetings, Pastor Julius and Pastor Gary and all of my great friends there in Uganda. I am so excited to talk to spiritual leaders in the country that has the youngest population on planet Earth. I'm also honored every time I connect with Africa because by all accounts, it is now the center of global Christianity. Statistically, geographically, and most importantly, in spiritual vibrancy. As the West decays morally, the youngest continent in the world 
grows a generation that are alive with the truth and power, an intimate relationship with the Word and the Spirit. As a young African church takes on the issues of corruption and injustice, I believe they will emerge in the 21st century as a beacon of light to the whole world. However, humbly, as a brother in the faith, I also see that there are tremendous threats and challenges ahead. And really, these are the same two threats that have always been a threat to the people of God and to the church in every generation. Number one, the unity of the church. And number two, the faith of our children. And these two imperatives that have been at the core of God's instructions to his people throughout all of human history Jesus uses his last moments with his disciples in John 13 to 17 to teach and then in his high priestly prayer to declare in John 17, 22 and 23, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent them and love them even as you love me. The power that drives the Great Commission is this call to great collaboration. Oh, how I pray today that in the very room that you are meeting in, that the Ugandan church would be united so that Uganda may know, that Africa may know who Jesus is. This prayer in John is actually the most expansive theological exposition of Deuteronomy chapter six, the Shema. In the New Testament scriptures, Jesus here takes up the language of the Shema in order to describe first his identity with the Father, then his identity with his people, and finally the identity of his people with one another. In this passage, he prays that the oneness of the triune God would be expressed in the oneness of the people with the result of love. And the first and primary relationship and calling that God demands is first and foremost for our own children, that we may remain diligent in passing on our faith to the next generation. Now, how do we do that? Well, in 1 Chronicles 12, God gives a perfect prescription for victory. And the prescription is for all generations and in every context. It is true for us here in America, as much as it is true for you in Uganda and all of Africa today. Again, number one is unity. You must, with a whole heart, be single-minded as the church of Jesus. Satan doesn't fear a talented church, a rich church, or a famous church. He fears a united church. And secondly, the only way this prescription works is if you as leaders understand your times and know what to do. This is why One Hope is so committed to research and why even today you will spend time digging in to our latest research study, The Global Youth Culture, which prophetically unpacks and details the attitudes, beliefs, and understanding of Generation Z. And oh, my brothers and sisters, how they are a unique generation. You will discover that they are a post-truth culture driven by relativism, pluralism, and secularism that has created a new religion of self called expressive individualism. And this is no longer just a Western phenomenon or a challenge because this is the most connected generation in history. And not one square inch of this planet 
will be unaffected by it. Elon Musk, even as we speak, and over the next five years, will be launching 30,000 satellites that will encircle the world with his Starnet, giving broadband access to the entire global population. This will give access to knowledge at a speed and availability like the world has never seen. They will demand change and passionately throw themselves into trying to solve the world's problems, Africa's problems. They will be filled with knowledge, but they will lack wisdom. And in a post-truth, hyper-expressive individualism, where they are taught that they should determine what truth is for them, we are looking at mental illness, depression, suicidal ideation, fragmentation of family, as we have never seen it before. Sexual identity confusion and things that we've never even thought of. We are about to face a whirlwind that we have never had to deal with as the church fathers and mothers. But as Carl Truman has so rightfully said, every age has had its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment which he or she lives in, but to understand its problems and respond appropriately. A lot is changing, yes, but from all of One Hope's study of church history and all of our research over these last two decades, I can with full conviction tell you that there are certain unchangeable truths. They never change. God's word is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. God's word is eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never change. Here's what we know from all of our research, including this latest study. Spiritual vibrancy, spiritual health, what is essential to raise this next generation? It's like a three-legged stool. You must have these three elements, and when you do, you can rest assured that the future is bright and the next generation of the church will thrive. Number one, strong spiritual families. We must disciple our parents to be priests in their own homes. We must be equipping our parents to have family altar and imparting the godly wisdom and having relevant and dynamic conversations with their kids. Number two, healthy churches that are focused on the next generation. All spiritually vibrant young people in every culture, in every generation, need an accountable community to be a part of where they grow in their faith and are trained to lead the church. And number three, and by the way, you can't have two out of the three of these principles. You have to have all three or it doesn't work. If you want to raise up a spiritually vibrant generation in Uganda, and this is number three, and by the way, the single most important variable in spiritual vibrancy, especially in a post-truth world. Number three, scripture engagement. It is the number one predictor of whether a young person will maintain their faith in God, their membership in the body of Christ, and live with biblical values. We must be committed as ministers of the good news to take the timeless orthodoxy of the scripture and apply them to the relevant and dynamic questions that this Generation Z is asking. As N.T. Wright has said, we must stop giving 19th century answers 
to 16th century questions and start asking 21st century questions, listening for first century answers. My friends, we need to unite to catalyze a relevant movement of scripture engagement, which captivates the minds of our youth, revives the church, and empowers them to transform their world. I will be praying for you today and stand ready as the leader of One Hope to partner with you to see the greatest revival this world has ever seen so that Jesus will be lifted up and draw everyone to himself. From everything we've had today, from Gary sharing and from our friends in One Hope, I can conclude by saying this. Jesus remains the only hope for the nations, no matter what context. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to help you. Write to us, connect outwatodochurch.com, and someone will be in touch with you. You can also text the numbers on your screen, and someone will be able to help you. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey!